Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy, standing six foot two, 280 pounds. He's from the south shore of Nassau County, Long Island. It's John Gabris. Johnny G, all you gotta do is trust me. Jackson Maine impression still in the intro for some reason. Must get it out. It's all in the bones at this point. Also joining me in the High and Mighty Studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur is a dog, not an actual co-host. Also joining me in the High and Mighty Studios, first-time guest, been a fan of our publication for a while, the co-founder of Double Blind, it's Shelby Hartman. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, the energy really is off-putting, so I, I understand. I understand the reaction just being, hello, okay, thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, Shelby, this is uh, awesome that you're on here because I've been, uh, due to our uh, mutual Zoe Wilder, I've had uh, double blinds coming to my house for a while, and I, I really enjoy the publication. I'm also recently getting more and more into mushrooms. Can't imagine why uh, as I enter my late 30s and the world enters its current state. But uh, I was hoping we could talk more and, and learn some more from someone who has a bit more of a perspective than like when I go camping, I eat a handful and enjoy the stars, like which is my extent of psychedelic use at this point. But I want to branch out more and learn more. Are you are you the person for me, Shelby? Am I asking too much of that? <laughs> I don't think I don't think you're asking too much. I'm happy to happy to give you some information, you and your listeners. Oh, hell yeah. That is what we were hoping. Um, I, let's let's start off with the most buzz buzzy word associated with mushrooms right now. Uh, micro dosing. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, what makes you just saying, oh boy, is the set off here. What what makes you say, oh boy, in reference to microdosing? As someone who's like all their friends are experimenting with it right now, uh, or a majority of my friends are experimenting with it. Okay, so I microdose mushrooms all the time, and I find that it's very helpful. Um, so, you know, I can't knock it because I do it and I think it's helpful. And I think that a lot of people are finding it helpful and could find it helpful. But the reason that I said, oh boy, is because you framed it as sort of this buzzy word, this trend. And, you know, my co-founder Madison and I, um, we are excited and hopeful about the future of psychedelics. And it is really amazing how many people suddenly are becoming interested in psychedelics who have never been interested in them before. And also both of us come from cannabis. We were both cannabis journalists before getting into reporting on psychedelics. And so we saw the trajectory that cannabis walked from being this 
plant that, um, you know, many people, you know, risked their livelihoods for essentially, uh, because they believed in it so deeply and also a plant that has been used, you know, ceremonially and spiritually for literally thousands of years. And psychedelics are the same way, right? Like there are people who have been on the sidelines who have been advocating for the overturning of psychedelic prohibition for decades and decades. And there's also indigenous communities all around the world who've used psychedelics since the beginning of time. And so as soon as we start to, as soon as something becomes trendy, then like there's all these like problematic ethical uh, concerns that come about as well in terms of like the world we live in capitalism marketing branding influencer culture like etc 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 so i'm not saying don't microdose or that microdosing is bad i'm just saying that there's like an element of trendiness which can well i I, you 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 hit the nail on the head with uh you know tracking sort of in the similar vein cannabis as someone who has been a cannabis user and big fan for going on 20 plus years now uh i felt i've been living in la for the last 10 years kind of through medicinal into recreational into like shopping mall weed and uh you i see what you mean by like when something gets buzzy when vapes get buzzy gummies get buzzy all of a sudden it's like the market is inundated by everyone trying to get a get a nickel. There's tons of article, tons of articles, tons of information about it out there, and I see that happening now. Where it's like I don't know how to explain it, but the second like a friend of mine from college who still lives in New Jersey and works in like IT is like, I'm thinking about microdosing. I'm always <laughs> like, okay, so now it's hit like a weird peak. That's like always the exact, <laughs> like when my friends are like, Hey, I, I drove to Massachusetts and got a vape. And now I, now I'm like, I love cannabis. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It, it, I, I'm happy to hear that, but it feels like it, it got to too big of a point or too weird of a point. And now people are like, we're minutes away from like, uh, microdose with a Z, and it's like a capitalistic uh, psilocybin factory that, and you get it. Like, like I'm just you. You see it happen so quickly with people trying to make money off of it, where it gets like weirdly bastardized, and the spirit of it is gone. And now it's like, and to go back to weed, now it's like a hundred dollars an eighth for stuff that <laughs> you were like is not should not be that expensive and it's comes in a bunch of plastic and you got to wait in line at a place who's making millions of dollars you know it just feels it feels gross and it feels against the vibe of the product itself it, right. it, it, along the same lines with mushrooms i i feel and right exactly and and microdosing like and I think people are microdosing cannabis now. People are microdosing. Like I, I, I think the working from home has really helped a lot of people in the last year. Be like, well, I'm not going to go into the office. I think I could have, uh, you know, uh, 0.3 grams of uh, mushrooms every morning or something like that. Um, but uh, are the benefits for microdosing as big as, or are they being overblown or oversold to us as uh, customers? Well, we don't know yet because there isn't data. Um, I mean, well, it sort of depends on, yeah, this is the whole other rabbit hole. We live in a society that reveres a very particular kind of data, double-blind, randomized clinical trial data, which is where the name double-blind comes from. Hell yeah. And so there have not been um, any rigorous double-blind randomized clinical trials investigating microdosing on a large scale at this point because of its scheduling as a certain before a long time it would not because of its it's scheduling because there's a lot of double-blind trials investigating psilocybin which is the psychoactive ingredient one of the psychoactive ingredients in psychedelic mushrooms in larger doses and um psilocybin for major depressive disorder and treatment resistant depression in large doses is going to be legal likely in the next five years through the FDA. Um, so you're going to be able to go and get a prescription for it and do it in the, in a therapeutic context with, you know, two people who sit with you, one or two people who sit with you throughout your experience. Um, 
I, you know, I couldn't tell you why it's actually an interesting question. Why is it that there haven't been more large scale, rigorous clinical trials looking at microdosing yet? Um, I don't, I don't know. I couldn't tell you why. All I can tell you is that they haven't happened, but that we do have much like we did in, did in cannabis, thousands and thousands and thousands of people saying, I do this and it really helps me. Yeah. It makes my life easier and better. It's like, okay, hold on. Let's let five uh, 40 year old, 50 year old men in white coats sort this out in the lab before we listen to tens of thousands of people and uh, millennia of (laughs) history behind the substances. Right. uh, That's interesting. But I guarantee now that there is potential money in that like, uh, uh, an upper middle class stay at home mom or stay at home dad person like that level of person once they want to get into microdosing once there's a big enough market share I feel like all the money everyone's so fucking money I, this is everything you talk about in America is so stressful because you're like well if they can make an extra nickel out of it they will do bl- the worst they'll make the worst possible choice uh, but it does feel like uh they refuse to leave money on the table too. So all of a sudden now they will be like pro uh, microdosing lobbyists and like citizens United issue. Like, well, people will be just jamming money into like maps. Uh, is maps is the name of the, yeah. Mm-hmm. And people just be throwing money. Like let's, we got to get the research going because we could potentially make money down the road, which is fun. Cause that greases the wheels of getting shit going, but it also sort of adds jet fuel to a movement that you don't necessarily that doesn't necessarily need it or want it at that time. Does that make sense? Does my dumb analogy make sense here? No, I know what you're saying. I mean, I think that, you know, there's pros and cons to like the mainstreaming quote unquote of these medicines. So I'm not going to say it's a bad thing that, you know, there's capital coming into the space. I'm also going to say that, like I said before, that there's ethical considerations as, as the quote unquote industry scales. Um, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens um, with microdosing specifically. Um, I know of a handful of trials that have been done and are being done um, by the Beckley Research Institute in the UK, looking at LSD microdosing They did a small, rigorous trial, small trial, looking at um, LSD for pain, actually. They did one of these tests where, you know, the person's, I want to say the person, I want to say it's where you stick your hand in an ice cold bucket and you see how long you can endure it on the microdose and then not on the microdose. Um, (laughs) This sounds uh, like a fun experiment to do at home. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. But, um, but I haven't heard and, you know, maybe, you know, it's totally possible someone's going to listen to this podcast and say, you know, she, she, you know, that's not true. This is happening, but I haven't, I haven't heard of any drug development companies that are doing trials into microdosing that could necessarily legalize microdosing through the FDA anytime soon. I'll just put it like that because there's now dozens and dozens of drug development companies that are literally researching every single psychedelic compound for every single indication you could ever possibly think of. Like it's freaking insane how many people are trying to get different kinds of psychedelics for different conditions from you know, Alzheimer's to, you know, autism to, I mean, every kind of thing you can imagine. But most of the research at this point is preclinical, meaning that they haven't even gotten these medicines into humans yet. It takes like a really, really, really long time to get a drug on the market and also many, many, many millions of dollars. So instead, what we're seeing is we're seeing like a lot of these sort of underground microdosing brands pop up, which you might have seen like. Yeah, I get some on Instagram, which feels like, you know, a little gray, gray market area. Oh, that is not gray market. That is black. Yeah. (laughs) But they want you to believe it's gray market because they have a pretty Instagram page. Yes. uh, Not legal. Shelby, that's literally what I was going to say. They dress it up like you're buying like cool vintage uh, boots or something, but it's really black market drugs. And you're like, how am I supposed to trust that? 
And that's I'm getting fed that on Instagram. That's how that's how like wide the conversation is or how popular it is that it's like infused into our our algorithms, despite Instagram having such a rampant anti-cannabis selling, anti-drug selling, anti-sex selling, anti-freedom of expression belief system. It's it's crazy that 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 pierces through like I I recently purchased some mushrooms from a trusted provider, some uh, mushroom gummies and uh I got like a QR code on it. I scanned it to see, and it was like a an amazing breakdown of like how much to do, like of what safety level, like all this stuff. And I was like, this is so fucking cool. Like as someone who, you know, is 40 and bought drugs in the nineties, like it's a, it was such a different vibe. It felt, I felt so much better and safer than like this guy who's like, yeah, my friend got these from blank. Enjoy. Like it felt it felt mm. it felt cool to see and i guess i'm just still coming at it from like the consumer standpoint where i watch cannabis go from like you know this a guy dropping off an eighth at my house in brooklyn in my apartment in brooklyn to i put weed infused uh chili olive oil in my tomato soup last night like uh <laughs> like i've i've like tracked that and i've enjoyed that process but i understand there's a lot of bastardization and uh <laughs> you know boxing out of uh small business owners in that world but i'm such a fan of how far stuff has come and i i'm i'm excited to see that future with psychedelics like a friend of mine was like do you want to come by the house uh this this swedish researcher got me of uh a dmt vape i was like i'm gonna pass on that but let me know what but of course the curious you know person inside me is like but let me know if that it was cool or safe and oh, you I, should I, definitely <laughs> get on the dmt vape pen train man the dmt yeah. vapes are amazing if you go <laughs> seriously this entire episode is now worth it shelby all i needed was permission to try that DMT i mean vape. look yeah. you you obviously want you always want to know your source and if you google like dmt vape pen i'm pretty sure double blinds article on how to know if your dmt vape pen is safe is going to come right up as number one on google there for you <laughs> hell yeah seo <laughs> but the point being the point being that i freaking i freaking love the dmt vape pens i i was a little scared because dmt is like have you done DMT before? No, that's uh, one I have not done before. I but mean, I am yeah. very curious. I am very curious DMT, and want to. You know, DMT is like you know people say that it really kind of blasts you off into other dimensions. Like it's only they call it the businessman's trip, or they used to call it that because it only lasts fifteen. It's like yeah, it's like over minutes. quickly, yeah. But like as soon as you hit it, uh, you literally like all notion of like space and time and yourself can just d disappear but with the vape pens are cool because the vape pens at least from my experience are not even remotely as strong as um smoking dmt like the vape pens actually are kind of like a microdose so you would probably have to take like i mean it depends on the vape pen again i don't want to say this i'm reluctant to say it on your podcast because like everyone's different everyone's experience yeah. is different guys li listeners do not come for shelby she's being general and uh, uh <laughs> do not come be like hey, sh i tried the five rips of my dmt vape pen and i spent a fortune on ebay or whatever it's like no 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 like don't just we're here having a conversation this is neither of us are doctors neither of us are telling exactly what to do we're just address so don't that's our umbrella of protection <laughs> there so don't worry Pe my, my listeners Great. don't give a shit they're not going to come negatively for some someone else I, I will be, go after them so we're safe the point being <laughs> that you probably have to hit your vape pen at least five six seven maybe ten or more times to get that classic being blasted off experience the first two three hits it's usually gonna just really it's like cannabis but i hate to say i'm reluctant to say this too but it's like cannabis but better like it can really just relax you bring you into your body amazing to do some yoga some stretching Ooh, highly recommend this uh this you're singing my song you're preaching to the choir here shelby i am like stretching while stoned is like one of my favorite things in the world so i would love to, nothing more to try stretching while very very stoned what's up gabrus here recording this ad at the gym in a mask because i almost forgot when do we decide to stop upholding free speech as a basic right 
What's playing out right now at big tech companies and social media sites sets a dangerous precedent. Look, it doesn't matter what your politics are or who you voted for. It does a little bit to me, but everyone should have the right to express themselves freely. Sadly, the big tech monopoly has opted for silencing tactics and censorship. So to fight back against this big tech's control of the internet, we all use ExpressVPN. Ever wondered how to free access tech giants make all their money? Well, by tracking your searches, video history, and everything you do. So by building a profile on you and then selling off your sensitive data. When you use the ExpressVPN app on your computer or phone, you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address. These are all words I learned about by signing up for ExpressVPN. That makes your activity more difficult to trace and sell to advertisers. What's more, ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of your network data to protect you from eavesdroppers and cyber criminals. What I like most about it is that it's easy to use. As you know, I'm pretty tech dumb, so this works out well for me. It just takes one click to protect all your devices, and that's why ExpressVPN is rated number one by Business Insider. Let's stop allowing big tech to revoke our rights to free speech. Why not revoke their right to your data instead? Secure your internet with VPN I trust for online protection. Visit expressvpn.com slash mighty. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash mighty to get three extra months free with my exclusive link. Go to expressvpn.com slash mighty right now to learn more. We talked a little bit about microdosing, but let's talk a little bit about uh, dosing, doing, um, ingesting mushrooms, uh, macro dosing, whatever people are calling it, getting tripping balls, if you will. I don't think that's like a medical term, but that is how we always referred to it. Um, and I have uh, only in the last few years gotten I, gotten into it, and I I still only have you know I done it done mushrooms like I've tripped like once a quarter for a couple of years not too much but I I really enjoy it every time sometimes I get like true like I feel like I'm tripping and sometimes I don't depending on I don't know if uh, you know I'm not measuring doses at the campsite and stuff like that but uh even when I don't trip I feel so good like it, it like I and I, that's that's what like kind of sold me on mushrooms like when I was 20, I'd be like, these aren't working. This is bullshit. But now that I'm 40, I'm like, this is, I'm not tripping, but fuck, man, I feel good. And like, look, the trees are kind of like breathing. That's awesome. You know, like I, and for so long, I thought like, I want to be like, you know, out visuals, all that. And it's like, well, now this is what makes me understand that the tripping isn't the best part of it. It is an important, an enjoyable part of the drug, but the, it's the, the mushrooms themselves are so even on a little the micro dose or the accidental under macro dose it is such a, an amazing sensation that it it sold me on like the and again i'm not an expert but that's what sold me on like the safety and uh, enjoyment level of that of of magic mushrooms is that i was like oh like i I think i've 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 done way too much one time and it wasn't even brutal like and it's just like oh this it feels safe. It feels in the vein of cannabis that like I'm not pick, I'm not worried about like a, a a super bad experience or some sort of insane medical reaction to what's happening. I know all that is possible, but that my little limited experience sold me on how safe and enjoyable mushrooms can be. I keep wanting to say the drug can be, but is that like is that even correct terminology? I, I should just say like the plant or the fungi, right? Eliminate eliminate the phrase drug while talking about it feels modern, I mean, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not super nitpicky about um terminology. I know some people are because they think certain words represent like certain histories or connotations or stigmas. Like I yeah, I've spoken about this before. I think calling it a drug is fine. I think calling it medicine is fine. I think calling it fungi is fine. Entheogen, plant medicine, like people use a lot of different words. They all have different connotations. Right. You know, I would say like it is a drug, you know, and I know that drugs, you know, it's it's yeah, it's I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole of of the war on drugs and stigma and reefer madness and all of that. But I right. think. Like my, the reason why I would say it's okay to call it a drug 
is because Madison and I often say we don't create hierarchies of set and setting at Double Blind. What we mean by that is like set and setting is this term that was coined by Timothy Leary and his colleagues at Harvard, which refers to both the mindset that you're in when you go into a trip and a setting is the location that you're in, like where you decide to have the actual experience. And it's kind of psychedelics 101 that like these are two of the most important things to consider before you trip. It's like, what is your mindset before you take the, the substance and where are you going to take the substance? Right. And I, that's really funny because that like uh, it's such an important sort of now and like you're, the way you're explaining almost like scientific uh, understanding of it. But at the time, like when you're in your 20s, that means like, all right the pillows are on the floor. The music is just right. Like the lighting is perfect. Like it, that's what I'm thinking of. Of like, when you're like, Oh, we got to get this song playing while we trip or while we get high. But then it makes total sense on a more grown up, more refined, more polished scale to be like, I probably don't want to be like anxious about stuff that's going on in my career. When I, you know, like I probably don't want to have my head be in a certain space or maybe I shouldn't do this at home where I can get like a work call and it could send me off. Uh, cause I've, I've almost exclusively, uh, done mushrooms in nature at this point, like with like a small group of my setting has frequently been a couple of people in nature. One time it was like a dozen people at a, at Bonnaroo. And that was, that was also very fun, but that was the most, uh, like social I've ever been on, uh, mushrooms. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying that, but I'm just remembering my own history at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can kind of address what you said before about the fact that you have never had a really intense or scary experience on mushrooms and that that's part of what made you comfortable with them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible to have a very, very intense and terrifying experience an uncomfortable experience on mushrooms like that is possible and i just need to say that because you know i'm an educator in this space and um that being said um they're also very very safe so like you know i'm not going to say that there's absolutely no you know physiological or psychological conditions that are contraindicated with mushrooms that's not true like, for example, if you have a family or personal history of psychosis, if you have bipolar disorder, if you're schizophrenic, it's not recommended that you do a psychedelic, especially not recommended that you do a psychedelic, like without proper support, without a therapist, you know, just on your own type of thing. Yeah. That being said, again, generally speaking, mushrooms are very safe, certainly safer than alcohol when done in the right setting. Um of course, like we're not talking about, you know, you do mushrooms and you like get behind the wheel. I'm talking about right. if you set up your environment such that you're like with friends and the right music is playing and the lights are right and, and all of that. <laughs> Generally speaking, they're very safe. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not really any way of knowing what is going to happen to you when you have a mushroom experience and that's part or psychedelic experience in general, every single person is different. Every single trip is different. Um, and so, um, you know, that, that's, that's part been... of why a lot of people don't trip is because they don't like the uncertainty of not knowing what's going to happen when they take this drug. Um, but I would just say that generally speaking in the psychedelic community, we talk about the fact that the word psychedelic, psychedelos, etymologically actually means mind manifesting. So what's happening to you when you're on a psychedelic is it's manifesting what is already within you. So if you are experiencing something uncomfortable, it's likely because you are processing something that is always kind of living within you on like a very kind of like subtle um level yeah like and, a subconscious level or right uh, and the yeah. psychedelic is bringing it to the fore so that you can process it and so that you can live like a healthier and more fulfilling life and so to not want to do a psychedelic because you're worried you're going to have a bad experience is essentially like saying i'm not ready to face myself 
and that's okay. That's fair. Yeah, exactly. But cool. that's yeah. what that is. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I, and maybe my self-actualization and how much I know myself helps me in my uh, not having bad trips as well. I'm kind of a raw open book and uh, but uh, this is this is so you're talking about uh, like you bring this subconscious out or um, if so, some uh, underlying uh, things you're thinking about could be is this is this sort of and again total layman is this sort of the logic behind uh, helping with addiction and uh, uh, non-treatment depression, sort of like a different way to self-analyze or to look within in, in, in a way. Cause I, I know I've watched like all the vice little shorts about people like mate macro dosing hallucinogenics and then being, you know, finally able to get off uh, Oxycontin or alcohol or something like that. I've seen a few of those. I know those are anecdotal, like, but, and that's what people are working on, but I've always, is that, is that part of what it is? The mental sort of like look inside yourself, uh, analyze what you've got going on there underlying. It's like that can help mm -hmm. with personal growth. Is that, is that, which I know is kind of hard to like, put in your scientific brief as you're pitching the ideas for what you want to do with psil uh, psilocybin? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a really good question. And it's not a question that I think anyone has a definitive answer to at this point. It's actually a question that's really at the heart of a lot of the scientific investigation of psychedelics, because there are drug development companies right now that are trying to take psychedelics that don't make you trip through the FDA approval process. So essentially what they're doing is they're taking compounds like psilocybin and they're changing, tweaking the compound and trying to create some version of a psychedelic compound that basically changes your brain chemistry such that, you know, your trauma or your depression is treated, but you don't actually have to quote unquote endure. I say intentionally using quotes there, um, like the <laughs> six to eight hour experience of being on psilocybin, which a lot of people, you know, there are a lot of people like my grandma, for example, who struggles with depression, who doesn't want to have a psychedelic experience. And so there's questions around like, okay, well, what do we do for all those people? And is there a way to create a compound that will heal people without, you know, needing to go through the actual experience of the trip? And there are a lot of people in the psychedelic community who say, uh, yeah, good luck with that. Like it's not going to work because, it's the not the science it's of the, the trip itself yeah. is what is healing people's mental health conditions. Um, not, you know, just sort of like how it's altering, like the chemical, the, the chemicals in your brain per se. Interesting. Uh, well, and I guess that's, yet. yeah, exactly. And that's what these studies will show. Not, uh, again, uh, hip fire comparison f sounds a lot like the CBD and Delta eight, uh, right. in yeah. reference to cannabis. No, completely, completely. It feels like a lot of the, and, and I guess that makes sense. And they find out it may work. It might not work, but if it does work for some people, then fuck it. It's, it's, Anything is better. I am so I'm from uh, Long Island, New York, which is, you know, uh, pretty heavy in the uh, opiates world. A lot of people from my graduating class of uh, 2000 have died from heroin and uh, oxy overdoses since graduation uh, in the last 20 years. And any any drug that helps someone that isn't these wildly, insanely addictive, financially viable for one company uh, drugs. I am like, let's, let's figure it out. If like, let's get every, let's get the new tip. Let's get Timmy Leary jr. Out there testing what, at whatever let's, let's find it. We have all this stuff at our disposal. Some shit, like some shit might work. Like something might work. Let's just try it all. That that's where I get like caught up in. Like, I hate the bureaucracy and red tape. And I know I only know those words from watching like nineties thrillers, but like, all the shit that goes into like the sign. I'm like, no, we should just. And what if if this has a small chance to help a small amount of people? Let's fucking hammer down and figure it out. It's time we like we do shit to help people. And this feels like this feels like the next big venture of like this is not as big of a deal as we arbitrarily made it over the last fifty years. And this may potentially really help people. Let's fucking shave off this stigma of like. Uh, hippies and uh and you know that kind of trip and be like this is the shit that 
Like, I think the sort of sort of Los Angeles, California energy of like, you can smoke pot and hike, or like I stand up paddleboard every day with a joint. Like that kind of energy, I think, has been like good PR for cannabis in a way, because it it was it had that stigma of like I live at my mom's house and play Xbox all day. Uh, and I feel like we're going to see that movement with uh, psychedelics as well, where it's like, it's not just for the dude uh, with the devil sticks anymore. It's not just for um, festivals. It's like, this is something that can really help humankind. And so let's yeah. let's start participating. Definitely. Absolutely. And that's actually what we're, we're in the midst right now of working on the sixth issue of the magazine, which is coming out in December. And that's the whole theme of this issue is showing all the different kinds of people who are using psychedelics. So we have a story that was written by journalist Abby Rossner, who is 62 years old. And it's about the first psychedelic. It's about baby boomers who are coming back to psychedelics to deal with their midlife crises after having not tripped many of them since like the 60s or 70s when they just did psychedelics recreationally. But then we also have a story written by an incredible writer named Julian Wildhack, who's just this queer club kid in Brooklyn, who's like, you know what, I'm all for people doing psychedelics intentionally. But truthfully, I love to just do them when I go out and party and I'm on the dance floor. And like, that's my form of liberation. And that's my form of therapy. And that's legitimate too. Yeah, and they so, set their own set and setting. And for them, right. that, that happens to be that might not be the way I want to trip balls. I, I'm not a club person in general. But I could see how if you're like, that's your comfort world, like I, you could probably handle that. And that's fucking that's cool. Uh, that's really interesting. That's the shit that like, uh, more people need, like, I got to get like people like I use my mom as an example. She's not particularly closed minded or particularly open-minded. She's very much like a suburban. Did you get paid for that? Jonathan kind of mom. So I always think about her and she's a nurse and I'm like, how can I get her to understand that? Like that stuff can help. Cause she still talks about like, they come into the psych ward and, they, and they've got pot and alcohol use. And like, that's how you like, and I'm like, I, I know mom, but I think, you know, what came first, the, you know, the lack of mental health, like their mental health deteriorating or the uh, pot and alcohol use, like yeah. or chicken egg or a real clusterfuck of a chicken omelet or whatever. Um, well, you can buy her a subscription of the magazine. It's not a plug. It really isn't. I think it's like but a, you're allowed. It's That's like the a point. great thing. I think it's like a great thing to buy like mom or dad who's like doesn't really know much. I mean, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan is a great starting place. But then also, you know, the magazine is our hope is that, you know, it will be accessible for all kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. That and I, I, that's that's my hope, too. I, like I'm like I'm making it sound like I want to destigmatize so I could just trip without my mom bothering me. But really, I guess I mean, uh, like I just want it to be available for those who I was going to say need it, but I'll go one step later. I, I wish it was available for those who want it as well, like who just who uh, who are just doing it recreationally. Like I I know this isn't the exact conversation that's out there, but the fact that we're like we're dragging ass on like federally legalizing cannabis and like we're slowly decrimming a lot of the psychedelics and hopefully that's that progress is there. But the fact that like alcohol is so okay like it's so clat like in order for me to open a joint i need like scissors needle nose pliers of like a box cutter in order for like a child to open a vodka bottle they need like the same you know like it's not and alcohol is so prevalent and so dangerous and i i know plenty of people in my generation who are the children of two alcoholics or one uh or one and a half um so like I would much rather have had a pothead dad or a, a microdose dad than an alcoholic father. And I think for a lot of people who alcohol was their stress relief, that that did them a disservice long term in their lives. Like, I, I mean, I I can safely say long term alcohol use is not good for you. I've witnessed it on every single member of my blood family. So, like, the idea that 
these people didn't even have these people, meaning my like uh, white trash alcoholic relatives didn't have the options because it wasn't like if cannabis was legal and they needed that to unwind after their stressful day at their job, maybe th- with they wouldn't have, you know, gotten a DUI and lost the uh, uh, custody of their kid or whatever, like which I, I guess what I guess what I'm saying, long story short, is like it's so crazy that we have to jump through all these hoops for cannabis and mushrooms and all that. Meanwhile, alcohol's out there like as like a leading cause of like uh, uh, long term abuse leading to death, vehicular and also violence at home, domestic violence and shit like that. And not to mention what it does to your fucking. Yes, mushrooms make me shit weird. They hit my stomach real hard, but not like alcohol fucks you up for like it's poison. <laughs> I'm sorry. And this is coming from a longtime drinker. Uh like I I it's just so frustrating that people are like mushrooms are bad. It's like pour yourself another dirty martini and then drive your kids to soccer practice. Like the talking out of both sides of their mouths in society like that drives drives me up a wall as well. Yeah. There goes my anti-alcohol rant, not to be the full-blown California uh, sober person, the Cali sober person, but uh, that's it's been a real enjoyment to find, like, have a better relationship with cannabis and psychedelics than I did with alcohol, and my life is benefits greatly from that switch. I don't know, like, I don't know that, I know that's not for everybody, but, and I'm not saying switch one vice with another, but... Everything I thought I was getting from alcohol, I now get from cannabis, and way less bad stuff comes in with that as well, whatever that might mean. Uh, and low calorie, if you can handle the munchies. If I want to attack, just attack you from the shallow marketing edge of the pool, like <laughs> there are no calories and a hit of weed. I'm not saying you, you need to demonstrate self-control once stoned, but it really is. I've lost weight just from so – this is like the worst uh, – TV uh, testimonial. Switch from beer to pot, and you too can lose tw- twelve inches off your waist. Sorry, I'm off on a rant here. I'm just gi- uh, I'm all giddy now about uh, trying my new mushrooms because of our conversation. But uh, before I let you get out of here, uh, I I I was just curious if you had if you had any like the set and setting thing is sort of ob- obvious advice, but I still don't know if everyone knows about that so is there are there any other like sort of you know as uh, as a educator and uh, someone who has a, a lot of experience in the realm is there anything to like any advice you would give to someone who was thinking of trying mushrooms or hasn't tried it in a long time and want wants to get back in any like sort of general advice not and again listeners not a prescription not a rule but like any any general advice for uh, someone looking to uh, get back into it or try it out for the first time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, psychedelics are not for everyone um, and they're not going to fix all of your problems overnight if they are for you. So that's something that's important to say, because I think that there's a lot of stories coming out right now about people having their lives transformed by psychedelics, like the veteran who has PTSD and, nothing is helping him and the VA isn't helping him. And he goes to the Amazon and he drinks ayahuasca and all all of his problems are gone. And you know, that, that does happen sometimes, but more often than not, psychedelics are a journey and they're just one tool of many tools, including meditation and drinking enough water and sleeping and not working too much and all these other things that we all need to do to be well. And so Psychedelics can be a catalyst if you feel like you're stuck and you feel like you're having a hard time kind of taking the steps you already know you need to take to live um, a better life. But um, but yeah, I mean, we often talk in the psychedelic community about, quote unquote, the work or integration. And that means that you can't just do a psychedelic and then expect it to solve all your problems. But you actually have to take the time following the psychedelic experience to think about what the psychedelic showed you or taught you and to come up with concrete steps as to how you're going to integrate those lessons into your life. Um, And then I would also just say that, yeah, like I said before, shrooms are relatively safe. So I think that, you know, just being mindful about who you trip with, where you trip um, and, you know, having time before and after to make sense of the experience. But if you are going through something really intense psychologically, for example, you have PTSD or treatment-resistant depression or something like that, 
I would not recommend just doing a psychedelic on your own, but there are a lot of really amazing therapists now that specialize specifically in something called psychedelic integration. And, um, you know, there's a site called psychedelic.support and they have an amazing database of psychedelic therapists. So you can always just go there and find someone and, you know, set up a session and talk to them about, you know, all your concerns and what you're thinking about doing and they'll help you out. Um, and then, you know, double blind too, is a great resource. We're available. We have tons of free articles and classes on psychedelics. So you can always hit us up if you have any questions. Oh, that's all. This is so has nothing to do with the conversation, but, uh, my texts pop up on my computer. And while you were talking about PTSD, a text popped up on the computer from a friend of mine who is ex special forces, who has used uh, hallucinogenics or psychedelics to help him with his PTSD and will say it, it helps and, and, and cops to it working for him. I'll, uh, I'll let he he is a podcaster entertainer, so I'll just let him tell more people. Then I won't blow up his spot here. But it was just perfect timing that you said that, and he was like, he just texted me like, "Hey man, I you got to listen to this uh, album or whatever." But it was like, "Holy shit!" My one friend I know who's a veteran who's processing PTSD by using psychedelics is messaging me exactly at the same time as Shelby <laughs> is explaining that some people do that, and not to be on the mushrooms episode, be like, "Holy shit!" But that was like a little bit of a cosmic connection there that was kind of a interesting overlap now you just said something uh, and uh, you just said something that triggered me in a positive way when you were like and uh, take some time after the experience uh to process what you learned from it and take and what takeaways you want to take away from it and i gotta say a, a few years ago i went camping for the first time and uh had a real set and settings mushroom trip that i truly enjoyed watching what, what i refer to as the trees breathe all evening like I, I felt like i just saw like a slow movement in the trees and i was like just watching the stars and it was so amazing and so re like i again as i'm articulating it i'm like i'm sorry <laughs> i'm telling you this boring ass story of like i stared at the sky but since that day, I have had so much more time in nature, and maybe it was because of the, the, again, a reaction to the pandemic, but that's something that had fallen out of my life as a comedian on the road and uh, podcaster and all the bullshit that I do. Something that had fallen from my life was like spending inordinate amount of times out, uh, out um, inordinate amount of time outside, and I missing my nature experience. And since that first trip, I've been back at the beach way more. I've been camping way more. I've been hiking way more. And I feel like I didn't realize at the time how important the outdoors were to me or nature was. I feel like post that trip is when I finally came to the conclusion that the beach was nature because I've I'm a big beach bum guy you can tell by my wardrobe at 40 but I wanted to like I never thought I thought the beach is just a treat I never looked at it as like experiencing nature and then after that trip I was like I want to be in nature more I'm like the beach counts as nature holy shit like I blew and so I've been that it it's something that's always been inside of me, but now I know how important it is for my mental health. And whether it's just fresh air, vitamin D, and not staring at the computer that's helping me, or it's something that I did determine about myself deep inside uh, during that trip that is important. Either way, I just want to—I just had not thought about that until you mentioned like processing what happened afterwards and like learning from it. And I think because I haven't gotten that—I haven't tripped that hard, with the exception of Bonnaroo. Uh, none of them had gone that deep and that first one that was that deep like really affect and obviously also uh, made me want to do mushrooms again like it also is like you gotta get in nature more and you should do more mushrooms in nature and that that kind of was my uh two-way street um Shelby, you, you've been so great to share your time with me and uh, talk about your, your, from the education and journalistic standpoint, talking to like a just comedian slash uh, uh, user of uh, uh, the uh, plant medicine. I wanted to use a cool new term there. So thank you so much for coming on and, uh, and bringing an air of credibility and knowledge for once on this podcast. So it, it was a true, it was a true delight. Uh, but where can, where can my listeners uh, follow you? Do you have uh, your writings? I know your writings out there a lot and double blind magazine obviously mm -hmm. is, is the big one, but where else can people follow? Do you have social media or anything like that? 
Um, yeah, I don't really promote my own social media, uh, much to the chagrin of, um, everyone who cares about my career more than I do <laughs> apparently, but, um, but yeah, double blind is at double blind mag on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, hell um, yeah, track them down everywhere.com sign up for our newsletter, check out our articles, subscribe to the magazine. Sign up for the mushroom growing class. Sign up for our mushroom growing class. We've graduated more than 4,000 people from that. I um, saw that and I was like, uh, this is right in my wheelhouse. I was like, yeah. I, in the last in one of the last issues, I was like, ooh, I didn't even think of growing my own. That's, uh, that's quite the delight. Um, I'm sorry I cut you off so giddy about that class. No, that's uh, all good. Oh, I'm yeah. giddy about I'm giddy about the class. It's super <laughs> awesome to watch mushrooms pop out of substrate. It's like such a beautiful process. Yeah, I know that uh, honestly what I was thinking is not even about being able to use them at the end. I was thinking about it'd be so cool more so than like a cannabis pant budding. It would be so cool to see a mushroom develop uh, like that got me all giddy. I was like, "Oh yeah, I want to do that." <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for coming Thanks on High and Mighty. Uh, I highly recommend you guys check out Double Blind. Uh, at minimum, if you're if it's not your wheelhouse for like uh, psychedelics and stuff, they uh, frequently have artists and their work in the books that are fucking in the magazine. That's fucking awesome, uh, and so that's that's always really cool. And uh, if if there's nothing else, Shelby, I, I'll let you I'll let you get out of here. That's all for now. That's all for now, folks. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Shelby. Bye, shitheads. That was a headgum podcast. In a part of the world. Where there are no rules. Holy shit. Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. It's actually, it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. <laughs> no. Somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to, like, see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. It's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Oh, there's a fantasy component. Yeah. There's some yeah. sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. There's a new game in town. You wake up after a few years, and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. What? I don't hate them, but I pity the room. Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. Action, boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now. <laughs>